You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is October 25th. 2021 on today's show, we're discussing the upcoming World Series between the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros. We'll take a trip down memory lane and look back at some of the you know feelings and thoughts that Nationals hand, fans had back when they were about to head in to the World Series. We'll take a look at this World Series from an odds perspective and some of the players contributing in this World Series. And also, we'll say happy birthday to one Juan Soto, who turned 23 yesterday. All that and more coming up on today's show. All right, let's get into it here on today's Locked On Nationals. A whole lot to get to. So on this Monday, we've got a World Series all figured out and ready to go. It's the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros. Now, obviously, the Nationals are very familiar with both these teams. They beat the Houston Astros in the 2019 World Series in seven games to claim the franchise, the Washington Nationals, League, their first uh, World Series victory. And then... Uh, also, the Atlanta Braves are in the division. And they've won the division four straight seasons now, and they are finally in the World Series for the first time uh, in over two decades. They've made it to baseball's greatest stage. They've made it to the October Classic. So this matchup is one that we think about from both sides. You might be asking yourself, hey, as a Nats fan, who should I cheer for? And I'll tell you this. I am going for the Braves. Last week, I had my good friend Cole Vacasio in town. He was on his podcast a while ago, but he's a big Braves fan. I found myself cheering for the Braves as well, right, right alongside him. I've also put a, a couple shekels on the Braves in addition to that as well. But really, uh, I don't like the Astros. I didn't. I just don't like the way those guys handled the situation about cheating and admitting to cheating and then get, trying to litigate when they did and didn't cheat. Uh, I know they're not probably not cheating right now, and uh, I just, yeah, I just, the whole situation, you know, kind of bothered me, didn't really get over it. And um, I'm over it in the sense of like, you know, hey, they, they're fine, they can exist now, but I'm never going to pull for that team. It's just not going to be, not going to be something that I do. Now you might say, hey, the Braves are division rival. I don't want to pull for them either if you're a Nats fan. And I sympathize with that. But also if you live in this part of the country, you also know that we're still kind of in Braves country. You know, the Nationals came around the mid 2000s but with that, I mean, this has always been from Virginia all the way down to, to Mississippi. Uh, this is Braves country. It always has been in a way. It kind of always will be unless you're in the DMV area. You know, it's becoming more of Nats country. But the Braves have had a real stranglehold. Where I live in Richmond, the Richmond Braves were the minor league team here at the time. You know, it was on obviously nationally. Everybody knows the stories about TBS, you know, and Turner airing uh, Braves games. And so... You know, with that, we all know a lot of people who are Braves fans. If you're around my age, I'm in my 20s. Not a lot of them have seen Braves' success to this extent where they've gone all the way this far. And they've now got to the World Series, and it got me thinking about the Nationals and how fans were feeling when the Nationals kind of reached that clip. Go back and place yourself at that time when the Nationals had just won the NLCS. Uh, not when they won the World Series, when they won the NLCS. And kind of think about the way that you were feeling, you know, it, it's it's this odd sensation of some relief and some happiness that they've reached this really fantastic position. 
and with that for the Nationals, it's not a place they'd reached. They had had so many talented teams. They had failed to get to this point. They had failed to get the job done and get here and get to, to a World Series. And now they're finally at that point. But the other side of the coin, you still had work to be done. Kind of similar if you're a Capitals fan to that feeling of how the Caps were when they finally reached the Stanley Cup Finals. Or maybe for you, it was how you felt when they just got past the Pittsburgh Penguins back in that 2018 championship run, right? That was the monkey on their back. They had not been able to beat the Peds, and they were finally able to do it, finally able to get over the hump, finally able to get to that position. And so with that, there's a lot of happiness, but also that feeling of there is a monumental challenge still ahead of you. You still have to win the big one. You still have to win the October Classic or the Stanley Cup Finals. And then for the, obviously the Nationals case, it was you know that October Classic. It was that World Series, but still it was a it was quite the sensation. Uh, and it goes back to all the feelings the Nationals had. If we go back through our archives, we did rewatches of the Nationals games in the World Series. My good pal Connor Jones and I did. You can go back and find those in the podcast archives and just kind of going through the the setting and the emotions and the feeling of all, uh, you know, everything that was going on. And it's pretty, uh, it's pretty, it was pretty unique, I think, just kind of relive all of that and what happened. Um, so just kind of, you know, put yourself back there. I know Nationals fans are very excited for the upcoming offseason, as they should be, but this can be a time of reflection because last full season, the Nationals were the champions, you know, so uh, kind of in a way, they're still uh, champions in a way of, of, of the full baseball season, if you will. Still the uh, still have not been knocked off in 162 games have been knocked off, but still last team to win a title and a full 162 and uh, in, in kind of that way looking at it. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll break down the series uh, from an odds perspective. But first here, a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at DirecTV. I'm sure you guys have had this kind of situation going on. It sounds familiar. Got one device to catch the game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your friends, neighbors, best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, what you guys know about DirecTV Stream, it kind of takes all of that away from you. Uh, all you have to do is just go to DirecTV Stream. Uh, look it up on DirecTV.com. Uh, no more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device. And the best part, there's no annual contracts. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get everything together. Get your TV together at DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. It's directtv.com. The best part, once again, no annual contract. So once again, stop the waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, so let's get into it here as we head towards the World Series. First pitch in the game one is going to be tomorrow night. The odds from our friends at betonline.ag are out. So the opening odds were Houston Astros minus 140, Atlanta Braves plus 120. The current odds as of this morning, uh, the Astros minus 135, the Atlanta Braves plus 115. These are very close odds. These odds imply that there is a 57.4% probability that the Astros will take the World Series. Atlanta was one of the top five favorites coming into the 2021 season with 10 to 1 odds. Houston was number 10 on the preseason odds list with 20 to 1 odds. That feels like it was pretty long for the Astros. Oh, yuck. I can't believe it. they said it that far. I should have jumped on that. Mad at myself or not. Um, the Braves obviously have taken two big losses on the way to getting here, right? Ronald Acuna Jr. and also Mike Soroka, both of them not being available. Soroka's come back, you know, being cut short. That was really a crushing blow 
for the Braves, but it, it, well, it seemed a, cr- a crushing blow. They were able to move on from that. And uh, those, you know, th- this team is not really where they are as a group now without those guys. Those guys obviously went through a lot of the postseason heartaches that, that the Braves have gone through recently to get to this point. Um, and I, I will say this about the Braves. It's got the, it's got to feel like it's their year. Sometimes it's the situations when you least expect it. It's like when Bryce Harper leaves, then you win the championship, right? After all those years of sadness, the core gets older, the Capitals go on and they win the championship. In a situation like this for the Braves, you lose Ronald Acuna Jr. You lose Mike Soroka. And now you are in the championship. Guys like Rosario, are stepping up big time for them. Jock Peterson has come through. Tyler Matzik and their much maligned Braves bullpen have come through for them. The Astros, the other side of things, have been a real methodical machine throughout these playoffs. They've impressed from start to finish as they've gone through. And uh, we'll go through now, <clears throat> excuse me, some of these odds for the World Series. Now, game one of the World Series, going to be Chaz, Charlie Morton on the mound against Framber Valdez. The uh, odds for this game, it's minus 132 for uh, the Astros on the money line. For the Braves, it's plus 122 uh, on this. And uh, plus one and a half runs in this game is minus 171. For the Astros, minus one and a half runs is plus 151. It's not good enough value in my my estimation. The over-under for this game is eight and a half at plus 100. The under, uh, excuse me, is uh, eight and a half at minus one. 20. So there are your odds starting off here for this World Series in Game 1. Also down the line as well, your MVP of the World Series. You've got Jordan Alvarez, the favorite, at plus 800. Freddie Freeman's plus 900. Eddie Rosario and his hot bat are at plus 950. Jose Altuve has plus 1,000. Michael Brantley, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman are all tied at plus 1,200. Kyle Tucker, Austin Riley... Uh, Max Freed, plus 1,400, plus 1,500, plus 1,600. Framber Valdez is plus 1,800. Ozzy Albies is plus 2,000. Charlie Morton is plus 2,500. Yuli Gurriel is plus 2,500 as well. So is Luis Garcia. Uh, obviously, Freddie Freeman would be the kind of favorite. Eddie Rosario has been playing such a hot bat. Altuve feels like a pretty good logical choice. Austin Riley at plus 1,500 has pretty good value to me, kind of if you're looking from an odds perspective about uh, you know, if you're trying to get in in some way, shape, or form on this World Series. Also, in the odds department, if you're looking at some uh, some more, you know, some fun odds, some World Series props, they've got, uh, you can pick, you know, what the series result's going to be. So Astros 4-2 is plus 425. Astros 4-3 is plus 475. Astros 4-1 is plus 525. Uh, Braves 4-2 is plus uh, 550, which is that's where I'm at, plus 550, and so on. Um, you can uh, bet the exact numbers of games right now. The favorite is six games at plus 195. Series spread is Braves minus one and a half games. So if this thing goes seven and they lose, you'd cover with that half game there. It's minus 175 on that. And then total games, the series, the over under, over is minus 220, under is also minus 220. So not a ton of value there. On that, and if it lands exactly five games, obviously, it is going to be a push. I'm telling you what, I'm betting the Braves. I'm betting them in six games in this series. I think they get the job done. I think their bats get to what has been really strong pitching uh, so far this year. So I'm going to be on the Braves in this World Series, and we'll break it all down as it goes down. 
All right, let's take one more break on today's show, then say happy birthday to a very special player, one one Soto. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to Built Bar today to check out all of the delicious, amazing flavors there. You've got coconut, cherry bar chia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calorie ranges from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, which is pretty cool as well. Once again, go to Built.com. That's Built.com today and check out everything available there. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so last thing, last note of business today is Juan Soto has turned 23 years old. And I think this is kind of one of those opportunities um, that we should just kind of take to once again appreciate him. You know, if he never played again, he'd still be uh, one of the great Nationals players. I know not for longevity, but just for the sake of what he has contributed, just because he is a World Series champion. He's a perennial most valuable player candidate. And the fact that he keeps getting better and better from year to year, you could argue that 19 is a bit better than 18, but I, I think, you know, he obviously kind of extended the amount of uh, ABs that he had, right? And in that season, he upped his, uh, you know, driven 110 runs in that season in 2019, the World Series season at just the age of 20. You know, the average wasn't as high, the on-base wasn't as high, but slugging went up, the OPS went up. The OPS plus was just about the same. And uh, once again, there's a guy that began to make his you know presence known, presence felt. And then obviously go back to 2020, he was fifth in that MVP voting, even though he only played you know, a short amount of games, but he hit 351, 490 on base, 695 slugging, 1.185 OPS and a 217 OPS plus. Um, and then you move to 2021 and with so much shifting around him, the lineup moving around him, everything changing. Um, he was still a fantastic player. He's still a guy that we consider a most valuable player candidate. You know, a season where he hit 313, 465 on base, 534 slugging, 999 OPS, 175 OPS plus was down the pass, but still a really good number to have. Um, once again, he was an all-star and just 22 years old, on this season, you know, uh, there's so many young stars in this game, but this guy has already put in three full seasons, almost three and a, three and a half. Well, actually, technically three full seasons. If you want to add the 47 games last year to the 116 that he played back in 2018, this guy has basically played three full seasons, a little over three full seasons, and he has, he has established himself as a guy who is one of the best players in baseball. Period. Uh, arguably the best hitter in baseball. At this point in time, really, there you know, it's it's hard to dispute that. I feel like just with the success that he's had and the fact that nothing changes his approach, the fact that the guys around him, whoever's pitching, he's not going to change his approach. Uh, you know, he's going to be a patient hitter. He's going to make you work, make you get his pitch. And if you don't, you know, he's going to say, all right, I'm going to pass it on to the next guy. You put me on base. We put, we were creating a run scoring opportunity. I'm not saying sometimes he doesn't hunt for a little bit, you know, uh, but he's done that less and less. And this season was a great reflection of that quality. You know, you saw this year, um, 654 plate appearances, 145 walks, which was his career high, 659 plate appearances back in 2019, his last full season. 
he walked just 108 times there. So five more plate appearances. And then, uh, you know, he had, let's see, 37 less walks, um, which is really impressive. Back in 2019, 37 less walks into this year. Strikeouts. He had 110 in 2019. Excuse me, he had 132 in 2019. This year, he ended up having um, just 93. So obviously cutting down on strikeouts. He's just clearly improving as a hitter all the time. And even though it might be incremental, I mean, that's why this guy is such a building block. That's why it really hurt, I think, for a lot of fans to see them trade away Trey Turner because it felt like that one-two punch, that one-two duo was going to be enough to keep them moving forward into the future. Um, but but Juan is just such an incredible player, such an incredible building block. The fact that he's 23 is so exciting. they got to lock him up. they got to do it, hopefully soon, so the Nationals fans and Juan Soto can stop worrying about what his future is going to look like with the Nationals team. Um, and so, yeah, that's that has got to be the hope here pretty soon. But happy 23rd to the Nats. Not rising star anymore. Bonafide superstar. Juan Soto. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.